Isaiah chapter 35. I'm going to read most of the verses in this chapter, if you would follow along with me. Starting in verse 1. The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it and the splendor of Carmel and Sharon. And they will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Strengthen the feeble hands. Steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong. Do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance. With divine retribution, he will come to save you. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf be unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool, the thirsty ground bubbling springs. In the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow, and a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. It will be for those who walk on that way. Skipping down to verse 10. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them. And sorrow and sighing will flee away. I wanted to start off before I get to the word today, just a a prophetic encouragement in season. I believe that the Lord gives us little markers in time as individuals for us to know what season we're in. How many of you have been through a few seasons in your life? Seasons of harvest and bountiful blessings, and then there's seasons of wintertime where it's, it's a little bit dry and, and you're just, you're, you're, you're looking for an oasis in the wilderness. And then there's springtime seasons, and then there's these fall seasons, and our spiritual life follows this. We have seasons corporately as well. And we're coming out of a season and about to embark in, in a new season. And I just want to take a moment to identify that and hopefully stir your faith because of what the Lord's doing. Hopefully you already know this, and this is just going to be an echo of the Lord's word to you. But I believe this is what the Lord is saying in this season. We are coming out of a season as a body of some wilderness time. We are coming out of a season as a body, I believe, of some, some dry and barren places. I believe people individually have felt that. I believe we've felt that corporately. Lizzie and I are coming out of a long season of this that ended really this last end of this last year. And this is no one's fault. This is no group of people's fault. This is a season corporately that we come through. I believe, and was given to me twice this morning from two unconnected people, that this today marks the beginning of a new season for us as the body, this little tiny fellowship called New Life in El Dorado. This equipping ministry that we have here, this is a new season for us. There's no big fanfare. I didn't see a comet in the sky last night to mark this, but I believe in my spirit we're entering into a springtime season in the natural that's going to be reflected in the spiritual. My dear sister Lydia, is Lydia here today? She's gone. I see a lot of people that look like her, but she's not here today. Um, 
gave Lizzie and I a, a vision. I don't know if it was a dream or an open vision that she had, but it's super detailed. And, you know, I, I test these things. You don't take every prophecy as a word from the Lord. You test it and you, you match it against scripture and you match it against the peace in your heart. And this was a solid one. And I've learned to respect words that Lydia has given over the years. But the cool thing is, the day before she gave this vision to me and Lizzie, I got a word from a brother in Wichita. And he was, a, he was not connected with our group here. And he pointed his finger at me and he said, El Dorado is a first fruits town. And when he said that, you know, you just get a word sometimes that just kind of hits you in the chest. And I just really felt agreement with that. And he said, El Dorado is a birthing place. El Dorado is a first fruits town. And what comes from El Dorado affects the region, the nations beyond it. I thought, that's so true. That's exactly what's happened here in the natural. That's what's happening here in the spiritual. What's poured out from El Dorado has gone over to Wichita, which is now impacting the state, which is now impacting the region, which is now impacting the nation, I believe, at the heart of the nation here. And I believe it was birthed from El Dorado. I got this word Saturday, Eldredo is a first fruits town. And the next day, Lydia sent this to me and Lizzie. I'm just going to read it to you. She says, I was in a desert and I looked over and John and Lizzie, not just us, but, but representing leadership here for the body, were standing by a dry riverbed, talking to a group of people about how the water in the river is so sweet and so refreshing and so life-giving. And this group started asking, not with evil intention, but just genuinely wanting to know. They started asking, if this water is so amazing, then why is the riverbed so dry? And all the land around it in El Dorado, a desert. And John and Lizzie answered, we just have to ask for it, so let's ask now. Then they turned to the group of us that were standing behind them, and we all prayed, asking for the river to flow freely. And while we were praying, we could hear the water running towards us, and we could see everywhere the river flowed, the desert turned into a garden. I don't take all dreams as a word from the Lord. Some of them are pizza. Some of them I'm being chased by large ants and I don't know what's about to happen. And it doesn't mean anything. This dream, I believe, was a word from the Lord. I believe this dream was a word for the body of Christ here. And I believe this is going to happen corporately to us. And I just wanted to say that. So what I believe is that the desert will be glad. This parched land in Isaiah 35.1 will be glad. And so what I'm doing is I'm taking this vision, this, this revelation from a sister in the Lord, and then I'm taking scripture that backs that up. And I can pray that scripture with confidence now because I got some breadcrumbs along the trail saying, this is the word of the Lord, pray into it. That dream that I just read, that vision was not scripture, but what I'm reading to you is scripture. So Lord, I believe that the parched land will be glad. Would you make us glad, God? The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. I pray that you would make the wilderness blossom. Like the crocus, the flower that opens up, it will burst into bloom. This flower in the desert is one that lies dormant for a while. And when the least little bit of rain comes to this flower in the desert, it literally explodes like overnight. It's, it's, a, it's a flowering plant in the desert that just needs a little bit of water to get there. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. And so this is what I'm supposed to say to you today. There's seven full, complete markers of weakness in the body of Christ. We are weak, but he is 
strong. And so we have to come in our complete weakness for him to shine forth the most brightly through us with no confidence in the flesh, absolutely none. So here are seven markers of complete weakness for us. Feeble hands, weak knees, fearful hearts, blind eyes, deaf ears, lame legs, and mute tongues. That's what we bring to the table. That's what we have in and of ourselves. But this is what the Lord does. I'm going to strengthen those feeble hands. I'm going to make steady those weak knees, those who are having trouble walking out their faith right now. I'm going to bring steadiness to those weak knees. And I'm going to prophesy, and I'm going to say, and like I'm doing right now, to fearful hearts, be strong. Be strong, fearful hearts. Do not fear. Your God will come to you. And he will come with a vengeance, with divine retribution, and he will come and save you from your enemies. That's what I'm supposed to prophesy to you this morning, those with fearful hearts. Now that that has happened, then blind eyes be open, God, in Jesus' name. The enemy, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. I pray blind eyes be opened, Lord, in Jesus' name. I pray deaf ears. We're talking about the lost right now. I pray for deaf ears to be unstopped. I'm praying for those who are closing up their ears to hear the word of the Lord. Let their ears be open. Would you agree with me in that? Let deaf ears be unstopped in Jesus' name. I pray for lame legs to leap, Lord. I pray for those who are paralyzed in their sin and in darkness and despair to be raised up like they raised up cripples in the Bible and they leapt again. And I pray that mute tongues would shout for joy. For those who have no ability to praise the Lord, they have no Holy Spirit inside of them, that their mute tongues would be released and they would shout for joy. After that happens, then water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams will gush forth in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool and the thirsty ground will become bubbling springs. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. I believe the Lord wants to accomplish this in El Dorado, in our little community, and I'm praying for you all to see it. I'm saying it right now because I want you to see it. I want to see it come in fullness. And I believe for great days ahead for this little group in El Dorado. The greatest days are not behind us. I was just meditating on this the other day. We had, what I'm so excited about these prophetic trainings right now is, is we had a, especially back in like the 2009, 10, 11 days, there was a prophetic community here where ministries got birthed out of this little group through prophetic words and encouragement. Ministries like orphanages in Ghana and a feeding ministry, New Manor, really got birthed out of a prophetic moment here in this, in this little body here. A feeding ministry that's still going today that's fed millions of people probably. There's, there's ministries that have come from this place. There's preaching and teaching that's come from this place. And I'm telling you, our greatest days are not behind us. Our greatest days are ahead of us. So the Lord's going to do it. This is no confidence in any man or any organization, but I'm just asking you guys to believe with me for what Tom Gaskell, the pastor here at the Nazarene building, told me years ago when we first moved in. I saw a sprinkler system go over the top of this building and it began to water all of the parched ground around El Dorado. I'm like, well, that's just too cool. Tom's not here. He's been gone for a long time, but, but may it be. 
May the parched ground be watered and may the Lord use us for our part in that. Would you pray Isaiah 35 with me this week, guys? This is not my word. I believe this is the Lord's word. And I believe if we meet him there, he'll honor that. Okay, I wanna take you through just a, a five, 10 minute recap of the last five weeks that we've been through. We've been talking about body life. I went through a, a month or two talking about prayer specifically, but here's just a recap for those of you who maybe haven't been here a few of these last five weeks. I wanna just talk about what we've gone over to, to, to spark, to remind, and, and kind of bring into focus what I wanna talk about today. Uh, we talked about, uh, it was about four weeks ago, about a month, five weeks ago, we talked about um, body life number one, where we talked about that each of you as a small part is a part of the bigger part of the body of Christ. We talked about Ephesians 2.10, you're created for good works. And then in Ephesians 4, in the equipping meeting, you're equipped for good works. And then at the end of chapter 4, when each part is doing its work, the body of Christ is built up. I gave that little uh, example at the end with oxygen, with the little glass jar on top of it. If you're not doing your works, you're running out of oxygen and you're actually decreasing in your flame. And so doing what you're made to do is what keeps your light shining brightly. And then I gave the little example of the little sink piece. Remember that? The little tiny connection piece that held on the hose underneath the sink in the dark. And it seemed it's insignificant, but the whole thing wouldn't work without that little tiny piece. The next week, we talked about body life number two, three signs of progress in the body of Christ. Do you remember that? That was out of Philippians uh, chapter one. Three signs of fruitful ministry, Paul said, was if the saints make progress in the faith, if they grow in their joy in the faith, and if they boast in Christ Jesus all the more. That's a sign of a healthy body in a church setting. This is what the Lord's getting us to. I'm praying for you all to make progress in your faith every week, that you would grow in joy and gladness in the presence of the Lord, and that you would begin to boast, look what Christ Jesus has done for me. Let the redeemed of the Lord do what? Say so, that you would say, this is what the Lord has done, not just in my initial salvation, but this is how he saved me this week. This is what he rescued me from this week. This is the despair that he pushed back. I boast in Christ Jesus all the more as I grow in Christ. We talked about item number four on the list, about growing in uh, being filled with the Spirit. We talked about you speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. You make music in your heart to God. You always give thanks to God. And lastly, you submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. It's actually a, 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 a respect and honoring of Christ Jesus to you for you to submit your life to one another for accountability and growth. It's actually a dishonoring of Christ if you isolate yourself and keep yourself away from the fellowship of the saints. I got a sweet call from my sister Joanne after this. We had a great talk. I, was, I, I, didn't, get a, I didn't get a full chance to really unpack that sermon, but what I wanted to say and, and what we, she challenged me on to say, which is true, was this is not a salvation issue. You're saved by grace through faith. There is nothing about you going to heaven in the Bible if you show up at church on a Sunday morning, right? You're sealed with the Holy Spirit. It's done. You're not saved by your good works. You're saved by his good works, right? The flip side of that is the scriptures are replete with test yourself to see if you're in the faith. Meaning, if I say that I'm saved and I go home and beat my wife physically and beat her up emotionally, I probably need to check myself to see if I'm really a Christian in name only, in deed, or actually in heart. And I think what I was wanting to get across was to test yourselves. And if you don't like being around the Lord's people, 
It's maybe a good test for you to see if you really like Jesus Christ. There are, there are tons of examples. Where, what do you do about people in prison? We're talking about that. They don't go to church on a regular basis. Well, of course, they're, they're saved. They're, what about the invalid, the people that can't get out? That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about people who've got a wall up. They've, they've, they've got something against people in the church, and they don't like being around the Lord's people. That's what we're talking about here. Not a salvation issue. Your faith is proved genuine by its fruit, though. So uh, we don't give up meeting together because we need encouragement on a regular basis. We just talked about the need that we have to be together. And again, lastly on this, the Sunday morning thing is not what I'm talking about. This 90-minute meeting per week is not enough for you. That's, that's not it. This is helpful and it's an equipping meeting, but this is not the church meeting. The church meeting is when we all come together and everybody brings something and you're in fellowship with a spirit-led group of people around you. That's what we're talking about here. Well, the week after that, we go to our Acts 2.42 meetings where we meet in homes, where we talk about, we break bread, we fellowship, we pray, and the apostles' teaching, we all come together. Dick had a funeral thing going on. I think Jan got sick at one point, so we ended up having that at our house. We focused in those, that, those weeks in all the different house churches on Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12, the grace giftings and the manifestation giftings. We just had the best time in that group. It was, it was really fun. Stotts were there. Bert showed up there. He brought the cinnamon rolls, which was awesome. We talked about there that the, 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 Jason Walker said this to me after, and it was really stuck with me. He's like, these equipping meetings we have on Sunday are so good, and they have their place. But man, the meat and potatoes, where it really, really gets good, is these church meetings in the homes. This is where we start to just, everybody brings something, we minister to each other, and it's so rich, and it's so good, and I just agree with that. So we just talked about the giftings, and who are you in the body of Christ? What's your specific gifting in the body? What are you made to do? And we just minister to each other. After that, this last week, I hit on giving yourself to something great. The title was The Mind-Bending, World-Shaping, Culture-Changing, Authoritative, Unlimited Power of the Church, that we've been given the authority. Imagine the world, if you would, with me, without the church. Imagine the world today without the church standing against the forces of evil. What do you think this earth would look like? Complete hell, because Satan would be having his way here Un, uh, unoffended. He would be un, unchallenged in any way. The only reason for darkness not enveloping the earth is the church of the living God. Have you ever thought about that? Satan is working. He's stirred up in the minds of unbelievers to do things that even they don't want to do, but he's controlling unbelievers. The church is the only force for good in the, in the world today. Think about that. What's the world like without the church? And I mentioned last week that all history is the handmaiden of the church, as one author has talked about. Every nation raised up, every king raised up. Why? What was the reason? It's for the plumb line of the church to go forward, right? Jewish nation is still in existence today. Where's Rome today? Where's all these great nations that ruled the, the church is, is, is the plumb line? Everything rises and sets because of the church in human history. Did you know... You're a part of something great. Did you know that? 
that the church is what, what manifests God's presence on the earth. So don't downplay being a part of the church. This is the driving force here in culture. It's made to be the driving force in culture. I talked about how Adam was laid down in a deep sleep and from his side, this rib was taken and this woman was created as help me and she ruled and reigned with him in the Garden of Eden. And Jesus Christ, the second Adam, the last man, he was laid down and from his wounded sign, this, this woman was taken, the bride of Christ, and we're in training for reigning right now. We're training for future reign, but we're reigning with him right now. Why? Because we're seated with him today in the heavenly places. How do we do this on the job training? Well, it looks like prayer exercising the keys of the kingdom, praising him is one of the highest forms of prayer. It stirs our faith up. Praise routes the enemy. You remember, the enemy hates praise. And so we push him back. We rout the enemy as we learn to rule and reign with him. We are the church. We are the bride. We are organically connected with him in Christ Jesus. And we talked about last week that we're tempted to forget who we are, Faith, fact, and feeling took a walk, right? And we've got faith in the middle. And if it keeps his eyes right on the back of fact's head, he does white, right, all right. He can walk along the wall. But if faith turns around and look backwards to feeling, he falls off the top of the wall. So we have to remember who we are. We're not who we've been acting like lately. We are who Christ says we are eternally. Amen? You are not identified by who you used to be, even though you feel drawn back to there in that stained brain way of thinking. You're identified by the, what the word of God says, a new creation in Christ Jesus. You actually desire holiness. Did you know that? That's why you're so miserable when you sin. When you start to get out of that abiding place, you feel just junky about yourself, don't you? There I go again. Well, what's that? It's condemnation from the enemy. But you feel convicted too because you're like, I'm not made for this anymore. That's the old me. I don't want to do this anymore. That's the sign that you've got a desire for holiness and righteousness inside of you. And that's a good sign. So when the enemy comes in, he brings, I said last week, condemnation. And then that condemnation is the very thing that keeps us doing the things we don't want to do because condemnation means what, everybody? Remember? Powerlessness. It actually saps power, takes it away from us to actually do the thing we want to do. He told the woman caught in adultery, go then and sin no more because I neither condemn you. He lifted the weight of powerlessness off of her so then she could go and sin no more. So we must constantly remind ourselves of the truth that we are seated with Christ and all of our enemies are underneath our feet body life. So real quick here, just today, finishing up body life, part five. Who is the church? What is the church? 1 Timothy 3, 14 through 15. Read this with me if you would. I'm writing to you, to you these instructions, Paul tells Timothy, so that if I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. I'm writing these things to you, Timothy, so that if I'm delayed, you'll know how you ought to conduct themselves in God's household. What is God's household? The church. What does the church do? It's the pillar or the support. It holds up the truth. God's house Think with me for a minute, is where he does what? Lives. 
God, you live in your house. God's house is where his rules must be obeyed. If my kids start smoking cigarettes at the dinner table, we've got a problem. They have to do that in their bedroom. No, I'm just kidding. If they do that at my dinner table, we've got a problem. Why? Because that's against the rules in my house. You're not going to do that in my house. My house, my rules. If we do things abnormal or contrary to God's commands in his house, we've got a problem. His rules must be obeyed in his household. So first and foremost, God lives in his house, and his rules must be obeyed in his house. Number two, we're called together for a purpose. Really, the church is a non-religious word. It's ecclesia. It's the called out ones. Well, if we're called together, we're called together for more than just like a, a hangout group, right? Uh, uh, just this, like the universalist church over in Wichita. It's a Unitarian thing. We just, let's play some games and have some food and just hang out and talk about high moral things. That's not the church. It's not a rotary club. We're called together for a purpose. So you're called out to be a part of the church for a purpose. And what is that purpose? It's his purpose. God's purpose is that we would hold up or be the pillar Think about that. Or we would be the foundation, the support of the truth. The truth is what's to be lifted up from the church. Think with me for a moment. You will know the truth and the truth will what? Set you free. So the truth must be known in order for it to be effective in setting people free. The truth can be the truth and people don't get set free unless they know the truth. And somebody tell me whose name is the truth. I am the way, the... Jesus must be known as the truth before he can set people free. A lot of people know about Jesus and they know he's the truth factually, but they don't know him personally. The truth must be known to be effective in setting people free. So we hold up Jesus himself as the church, the truth. We hold him up. If I'm lifted up, I'll draw all men to myself. So his teachings and his word must be obeyed. Finish this sentence. Every house must have a... That's true, sorry. That was a horrible setup because it, that's true too. Every house must have a builder. This is, you know, talk about people that say nothing, and nothing created everything and evolution is the reason we're all here. You know, the classic example, look at a house. It must have had a builder, Right? Every house must have a builder, including the spiritual house called the church. Matthew 16, 18, who's going to build the church? Jesus said, I will build my church. Man does not build his church through systems and business models. Jesus himself is in the building program. He's got a construction company for the building of his church supernaturally. Ephesians 2.22, we are being built. Somebody says, somebody say with me, we are being built. We are being built together in him to become something, to become what? A dwelling in which God lives. Remember God's house, he lives in it by his spirit. God's house where he reigns. 1 Peter 2.5, you remember this. We, like living stones, are being built 
into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. Did you know you're a part of Jesus' building program? How do you build a house? What materials do you use to build a stick house? Somebody throw out a few materials to build a house. Nails, mud. Mud, okay. Bricks, two by fours, mortar, concrete, insulation. What, what materials is Jesus using to build his house? People, stones, living stones. You all are the materials. So think with me for a moment for a two by four that was hacked off at all the other two by fours and didn't want to be close to them. Think with me for a moment about a light fixture who was so nervous to be out in front they wanted to be hid behind the drywall. Think with me for a moment about a concrete driveway that demanded that he or she be put on the roof because that's where they belong. And think with me about a group of shingles that because they were so interested in hanging out with all the other shingles in the pallet that they didn't get up on the roof. Or just to continue this fun little analogy... A door, a front door that was made to welcome people in. But he went MIA. Think about it for a moment, if you would. If these building materials in a natural house had personalities like you do, what if they didn't submit to the builder's building program to do what they were built to do? Wonder what that would be like for you and me. If we knew exactly who were made to be in the body of Christ. And we said, Lord, cover me up with the drywall if that's what you need to do. Lord, make me the front door so people can come in and come out if that's what you want to do. Make me the hand washing, the, the sink, the faucet for people just to get that junk off of them. Use me to serve people, Lord. Make me that beautiful floor that people can actually walk on and, and just find secure foundation here, Lord. Whatever it is you're calling me to be, I want to be because the Lord is building his house. We are called together. Are you called? Have you heard the call of the Lord? I know you're called. Are you called together with these people here, with these brothers and sisters here? Guys, there is one church in the earth. Amen? Yeah. There is one shepherd over the church in the earth. Amen? Yeah. There is one church in the state of Kansas. There's one church in the city of El Dorado. Amen? There's one flock. And there are multiple flocks within that one flock because one shepherd is empowering multiple shepherds to take care of multiple flocks. It's okay that we meet here and we don't get together with all the other believers and have a meeting of 3,000 people every Sunday morning. It's ineffective. Why? Because people take time People have issues that have to be worked out. It takes one-on-one -on -one interaction. And so that's why I think it's kind of ineffective when, when it, things get so big. And even megachurch pastors will tell you this. Like, we're trying to streamline so we can get down to many, meeting people where they're at so they don't show up for a show on Sunday mornings. One shepherd, but multiple shepherd. One flocks, multiple flocks. Are you called together to this little flock here in El Dorado? If so, then I would ask, what's your part? What's your place in the body of Christ in his building program? I'll finish with this. Everyone's called to be a river. A river has two primary points, the entrance and the exit. 
The, the rivers have headwaters, meaning the river receives from the headwaters. <clears throat> the river has an exit. It gives downstream. What do you call a river that has its upstream flow blocked? It's a dry, crusty, dead thing, right? Upstream flow from a river blocked, no life. What do you call a river with its downstream flow blocked? It's a swamp. It's the Dead Sea. That's why the Dead Sea is the Dead Sea. Flows in, nothing flows out. It just sits there and marinates. Self-focus. Just kind of, my own needs, my desires. I'm finding my life and I'm losing my life and I'm frustrated by that and everyone around me is mean. Inward focus, it's dead too. Upstream blocked, dead. Downstream blocked, dead. You guys are receiving from the head. You're here on Sunday morning because you want to receive. I think my question for you is, what does your downstream look like? What does your, your giving your life away look like to your brothers and sisters around you? What is serving them? You guys practiced it last week with the little white pieces of paper. Praying for your brothers and sisters is a way for you to give away. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Upstream, super important. Downstream is even better, isn't it? It's always better to give than receive. So what does it look like for you to be a part of this local flock? Here's my question for you today. What does it look like for body life? And I'm telling you, this is a new season that's upon us right now. It's a springtime season here. I'm excited for it. I'm excited for you all. I'm praying for you all. I'm trusting for great days ahead for us. Let's stand up, shall we? Lord, we bless your name today. I thank you, Jesus, that you are the builder of the church and that the church will overcome. The gates of hell will not overcome your church, God. I pray that you would build us together, Lord, into the house that you desire us to be, Lord. I pray that we could serve the church in El Dorado. I'm asking, Father, that you would bring clarity and, 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 and just identification of assignment for every person in here, Lord. Identification for everyone's gifting, Lord, to be exactly who they're made to be in the body of Christ, Lord. We thank you for your revealing yourself to us, God. I pray that you would do that more and more this week. Bless us as we go, Lord. Bless this prophetic meeting tonight, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. I just ask for strength and encouragement for these saints. I pray for weak hands and weak knees, Lord, and, 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 and just life to spring forth, Lord. I pray that they would be strengthened. I pray for fearful hearts to be turned into confident hearts, Lord. And so just have your way and have your will among us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.